The Jets now have the longest playoff drought in major North American sports. How can they finally end this ugly streak? That's what we'll talk about today on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Thursday, March 30th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Subscribe to this podcast or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available. And our episode of Locked On Jets today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Well, last night, the Sacramento Kings clinched a spot in the NBA playoffs this year, and you may wonder how that impacts the New York Jets. Well, it means that in the four major North American sports leagues, professional sports leagues, that is, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NFL, the New York Jets now have the longest playoff drought in any of those four leagues. The Kings previously held that title, but now they are heading to the playoffs now, let, that brings up an interesting question. How can the Jets end this playoff streak? And that's what we're going to talk about today. In particular, we're going to talk about the type of team the Jets are building. Because a lot of the hype is going to be talked about Aaron, when we deal with Aaron Rodgers. The Jets, of course, are still trying to figure out a way to trade for the future Hall of Fame quarterback. One of these days, we'll have a show when Aaron Rodgers is a Jet. Has not happened yet, though. But, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because... While the Jets' entire offseason has been focused on getting Aaron Rodgers, and while Aaron Rodgers will be the number one attraction for this team, he'll be the number one star, he'll be the player all the media wants to talk about, all the fans want to talk about, you'll see his jersey all over the place. I don't know that this is necessarily going to be a team that's driven by the quarterback or the offense. Robert Sala, of course, comes from a defensive background. Now, coming from a defensive background does not mean you necessarily ignore offense, but I get the sense that the Jets are still focusing on being a defensive-driven team, a team that, that really relies on its defense, maybe a little bit more than it relies on its offense. Last year, there's no question which, the, which of the two units was stronger. That was the defense. And Robert Sala defense, in an ideal world, you know, it, it wasn't that way his first year, but it definitely was that way his second year, really relied on a pass, the pass rush to get up the field. I've talked about this before. You know, there are some defenses where you have guys whose job on on the defensive line is to essentially tie up blockers. You know, keep the offensive linemen from hitting the second level, preventing linebackers from getting blocked by these offensive linemen. Their job is essentially to to fill the gaps. And sometimes, you know, even in some defenses, and you know, you think about classic three four defenses, those units are pretty much built so that defensive linemen eat up blocks. You know, your job on in a classic three four defense is essentially to draw a double team and let other do the dirty work and let other guys succeed. But even in 4-3 defenses, traditionally in many of them, there's at least one guy whose job is to eat up two blockers because you think about it, there's in a 4-3 defense, you have four guys on the defensive line. You have five offensive linemen, so that means somebody's got to draw two blocks, right? Robert Sala's defense works a little bit differently, as far as I can tell, at least. You know, it, part of this is you have to reverse engineer this thing by watching the film, but it seems like Sala's objective is to just have his defensive lineman get up the field. You know, his mantra is all gas, no breaks. 
did not work so well the first year. The second year, at least on the defensive side of the ball, you really saw the vision come into play where the Jets, you know, had guys who were tenacious, especially on the defensive line. And the Jets like to rotate guys in and out. They like to keep guys fresh. They like to have a lot of bodies there. And it's no accident that this team has invested so much on the defensive line since Robert Sala got here. It's a premium spot for the Jets. It's a spot where they want to have a lot of, they don't just want quality players. They want a lot of depth up front. And really, I think more than anything, the, the pass rush is what drives this defense. And rather than have guys just eat up blocks, what Salah wants these guys to do is draw double teams, but in a different way. That's by being proactive. You know, you can you can start off on a play by saying, my job is to fill up these two gaps and I'm, my job is to draw blocks. You could also just penetrate. You could also get into the backfield. You could force the other team to adjust to you and draw double teams by being so quick off the line, you know, beating your guy, you know, use, using good pass rush moves and forcing another blocker to, to come to you because you, they can't handle you one-on-one. That's more the vision Salah has. And I think that the Jets, of course, offense and defense work, work together, but the Jets are really a team. They want to play from ahead. And last year, they, they were a team, aside from the Detroit game, when they got a lead, they tended to close the game out. And that was actually, you know, people always think back to the golden age of the Rex Ryan defenses. The one issue with the Rex Ryan defenses was they were very shaky late in games. And aside from Detroit, where they had that one busted play that went for a touchdown, last year's Jets team was very good. They were, ten, you know, they, they, they were good at closing out games. And part of it, I think, was the defensive line. Part of it was that... The Jets rotate guys in and out, so when the fourth quarter rolls around, guys are fresh. But the Jets, you know, they want to throw guys, they want to throw defensive linemen in your face. And of course, in the back of the defense, you also had some excellent corners. There's this great debate in the NFL right now about whether it's whether you want a pass rush or whether you want to build around. It's it's really what you build around. Is it a pass rush or is it cover guys? Which would you rather have? In reality, you'd want both. And the Jets are in a good position on defense because they have both. They have pass rushers who can get to the quarterback, led by a superstar defensive tackle in Quinn and Williams, but they also have a superstar corner in Sauce Gardner, who in his rookie year already established himself as one of the top five corners in the league. And these two, you know, the pass rush and, the, and coverage help each other out. A good cover guy, having good cover guys means that your pass rushers have more time to get to the quarterback because they can lock receivers up. But having a good pass rush means makes your corners better because they don't have to cover for as long. And when you have both, that's when you really start to build a defense. And yeah, the Jets, had, you know, the Jets had moments last year where they maybe weren't so great against the run, and that's because you know they again they're they're trying to be aggressive, they're trying to make plays, they're not focused on tying blockers up and you know letting guys you know letting linebackers shoot the gaps. Yeah, or, I'm sorry, not or letting linebackers make plays. They want the defensive linemen to make plays, and you know some and that means getting aggressive defensive linemen. That means you know maybe not not as many space eaters who are good at playing the run, and. You know, that means that sometimes they have issues against the run. But you know something? This is a passing league. This is a league where you want to shut down the pass. And there are two ways to shut down the pass. First of all, get after the quarterback. Because almost every quarterback is worse under pressure than they are from a clean pocket. The second thing is you want to be able to lock receivers up. Again, these, these, two, these two things make each other better. You know, when you can get to the quarterback rushing four, it means you can leave extra guys back. So that means you, get, you can help your corners back, uh, corners out. On the other hand, having corners who can play one-on-one, and it goes beyond Sauce Gardner, of course. You've got DJ Reed. You've even got Michael Carter II, who quietly had an excellent year in the slot. The Jets aren't so good at, you know, at safety or linebacker as far as coverage goes, but there really are not that many great cover safeties or cover linebackers in the NFL. So that's not even that big of I mean, it's a, it's a problem, but it's not a 
it's not a problem that has an obvious solution. It's not a solution a lot of teams have. So the Jets kind of have this this nice balance where they have a good defensive line and a great group of corners. And, you know, all of this means that, you know, their defense, you know, I keep seeing people say the defense is going to regress. And, yeah, you know, listen, it's possible the defense st- takes a step back. But as long as everybody stays healthy, this should be a good unit. And this should be a unit that drives that kind of drives the team. You know, even as we talk about, you know, we can talk about Aaron Rodgers, and we will talk about Aaron Rodgers ahead. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a game manager, but it's going to be interesting because Aaron Rodgers is going to get all the headlines. But I still feel like this is going to be a team where the defense is the better unit. But, of course, everybody wants to talk about Aaron Rodgers. So as we continue on this Thursday episode of the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll talk about the role Aaron Rodgers may have in lifting up the team and lifting up the offense. Today's episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, we're dreaming of the autumn and the winter where the Jets will be playing. Hopefully, they will end this the now longest streak in major North American sports as far as missing the playoffs goes. But that, those games are still a long way off. This weekend, we have the Final Four, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. This podcast is free and available on all platforms. All right, let's talk Aaron Rodgers, and let's talk about how he fits in with this Jets team. Last year, I think it's pretty obvious that the Jets... And it's too simplistic to blame it all on the quarterback because they're in a 17-game season. It's never about one thing. There are lots of things that that pop up. But I think you would have to say the number one reason the Jets missed the playoffs last year. There were others. But the number one reason is they just got nothing from the quarterback position for most of the year. Outside of maybe the Mike White game against Chicago. Maybe that Zach Wilson game in Pittsburgh where he led the comeback. Even the Flacco game in Cleveland. You know, White had a couple failed comebacks in his, his, you know, in the games he started, but I think it's fair to say that among the three quarterbacks, there's a very strong case that the Jets got the worst quarterback play in the league, and even adequate quarterback play would have gotten the Jets to the playoffs. Now, it does not necessarily follow that better quarterback play equals the playoffs, because not everything else is staying equal. The Jets' roster has changed. The opponents will be different. You know, you may not have the same injury luck. You may have worse injury luck this year. You know, you may have better entry luck, but I think one of the mistakes you make is you assume everything's going to be constant except for the things that improve for your team. That said, the quarterback position could improve quite a bit for the Jets. In fact, it should improve quite a bit for the Jets. You know, even if they had signed somebody else, you probably were going to get better quarterback play this year. I mean, there were a lot of options out there that could have given you better. Better was a very low bar compared with what Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and to a lesser extent, Mike White gave you last year. The Jets are getting Aaron Rodgers. Now, how much does Rodgers have left in the tank? Is it fair to ask a guy in his age 39 to 40 season to be an MVP candidate? You would love to see it. I don't know that that's necessarily the most likely scenario. Everybody ages, even Aaron Rodgers, a guy who is one of the true immortals to ever uh, put on a uniform and play in the NFL. But, you know, if you look at Rodgers and, you know, if you've watched him last year and I'm I'm kind of catching up on what he did last year, the arm is still there. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's really lost much 
on his fastball. He still has the, the big arm. He still has the ability to place the ball where he wants to, you know, to make all sorts of different throws. I think one thing that has kind of regressed for, for Rodgers is the mobility. Now, he's not Flacco back there. You know, he's not a guy who, who, who's incapable of moving at all. But you know, he used to be, you know, he was never a particularly dynamic rusher. You know, he was not a guy who was going to throw up a ton of rushing yards. But his ability to evade pressure, to throw on the run, to you know, get on the run and evade pass rushers, and still just make absolutely pinpoint precise throws, that was one of the things I thought always made him special. Now, I don't think that that's quite there anymore. And I think it's going to be important for the Jets to improve this offensive line because the offensive line is currently constructed. That's going to be an issue for a 40-year-old quarterback with declining mobility. Decline, now, not flack, again, not Flacco mobility, but declining mobility nonetheless. Still, really, if the Jets the Jets are going to get much better play because right now Rodgers, I would have to guess, you know, and this is just a guess, it could be better, he could be worse. My guess is that he's still probably like one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. He used to be like, you know, maybe number one, or if not, then in the top three. And that was as true, true as recent as two years ago. I don't know that that's the case anymore. I would expect him to be closer to the bottom half of the top 10. But... And this is the, the key. And I go back to what I said in the first segment. If the Jets are a team that's dominated by the defense, and you get a guy who's at the lower half of the top 10, you know, you're going to be in a spot where you can win some games, where you can end that playoff drought. Because the Jets, you know, they don't, you know, they did not need a whole lot more out of the quarterback position, and they would have been a playoff team last year. Now, they had some luck along the way, especially all the backup quarterbacks that they ran into. They were able to win some games even without getting good quarterback play. The path to victories will probably be more difficult this year in many areas. But they'll have a guy who you know knows how to make reads back there. And that's one thing about Rodgers is, you know, even if he's not the guy he used to be, he knows how to make reads. He knows how to get the football out there. Now, the question, part of the question with how good Rodgers is going to be is how quickly he adapts and how much chemistry he grows with Garrett Wilson. Because Wilson's going to be the target who's going to produce the most for him. So I think one of the questions for Rodgers is, will he develop trust with Wilson? Because Rodgers has been a guy through his career, if you followed him, hasn't always been there with young receivers. He hasn't always tr- trusted young receivers, and sometimes it takes a few years. And I know people will say Christian Watson last year kind of grew. That might be true, but that's not the only young receiver Aaron Rodgers has ever played with. So Christian Watson shows you it can happen. He can grow to trust a young receiver pretty quickly. And Garrett Wilson's better than Christian Watson, at least right now. And there's a lot of reason to think Aaron Rodgers will trust Garrett Wilson. And there's a lot of reason to think Aaron Rodgers can turn Garrett Wilson into, uh, take, take him to the next level. Turn him from an 1,100-yard receiver to 13, 1,400-yard receiver. And that would be something special. That would be something that you could really propel the Jets going forward. But there are still question marks. Would he trust, because the Jets are, you know, the Jets have already brought in one of his familiar targets from Green Bay and Alan Lazard. And you could see some other guys. You could see Randall Cobb. You could see Randall Cobb. I, I think it's an awful idea. I don't think they should do it, but you could see Randall Cobb. You could see Mercedes Lewis. I don't think that's a great idea. At least you could argue that Lewis is better than what the Jets have at tight end, but that's more a commentary of what the Jets have at tight end. So the question, you know, part one of the questions here, and this is this will determine this will partially determine how well Rodgers produces. It'll partially pr- pr- determine how much better the offense is. The offense has to be better with Rodgers in there, but how quickly can he develop with Garrett Wilson? Because if he can develop quickly with Garrett Wilson. Suddenly the Jets, you know, are a team that's, you know, maybe not a contender, maybe not a top-tier contender in the AFC, but when you combine that with a very good defense, 
they're a team that could potentially make noise in this conference. They're a team that, you know, I'm not ready to put them in the Kansas City class. I'm not ready to put them in the Cincinnati class. I'm not even ready to put them in the Buffalo class. But as we all know, it's not always the best team that wins the championship. Sometimes it's a good team that just happens to get hot at the right time. And, you know, if you make the playoffs, you got a shot. You could have a shot to be that team that gets hot. And if you've got a defense like this, and you've got Aaron Rodgers, and you got Garrett Wilson, and things just come together at the right time, it could make all the difference in the world. It could turn into a special situation. So to win games next year, I don't think the Jets necessarily need Aaron Rodgers to play at the absolute top level. I don't think they need him, they need him to be MVP Aaron Rodgers. Now, to win the Super Bowl, they might need him to do that. But if the objective is to break this 12-year playoff drought, the, again, the longest playoff drought in North American sports, then you know I think that's part of the way the team will need to be built. I think that's part of what the team will need. The Jets will need Aaron Rodgers, you know, and the Jets will probably get quality performance from Aaron Rodgers and improved performance, and at least have a functional offense. And from there, with that defense, you know, they'll be in pretty good shape to make the playoffs, if nothing else. And then from there, who knows? But of course, there's more that goes into it than that. There are a couple more things that, that come into play. Of course, special teams is an underrated part of the game, and some of it's just just comes down to luck. And we'll explore that as we finish out this Thursday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Thursday. We're talking about how the Jets are building their team to break this 12-year playoff drought, which as of now, and this is the first day of this, unfortunately, the longest playoff drought in any of the four major professional sports. We've talked defense, which I think the team is going to be built around the defense. We've talked offense, where you're getting you know one of the biggest names in the sports. Let's talk about special teams. And, you know, I think the Jets clearly are looking to upgrade their special teams this offseason. Now, fortunately, Greg Zerline was brought back. You know, if you look at Zerline's raw stats, they aren't that great. But you also have to put into context how many long kicks the Jets had him attempt. Because he has such a big leg, the Jets were a little bit more comfortable attempting field goals from 55 yards and beyond than your typical team. And Zerline made a couple of them. So I don't think it's fair to just look at his kicking, his field goal percentage, because you also have to factor in the difficulty of the kicks. Zorline's back. It's clear the Jets are looking to upgrade a punter. And the Braden man, it just has not worked out. You know, he was a late round pick in 2020. And unfortunately for the Jets, his most memorable contribution came in his rookie season when he made a tackle on a punt return by the Rams that saved the game for the Jets and ended up being the game... Well, it, it, kind of the game that cost them Trevor Lawrence, because that was the game that, that took them out of the first overall pick in the 2021 draft, and it was the difference between Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. That's quite a difference. Now, in fairness to man, though, the Jets did beat Cleveland the next week, and it was really because the Browns had a COVID outbreak among their receivers. The Browns had no receivers in that game. And had the Jets beaten the Rams and lost to the Browns, they still would have ended up with the number two overall pick. But man is the guy that made the tackle that took them out of the number one overall position. You can't blame a guy for making a play. You know, that's his job. You know, you and I may not love the fact he did it, but that's his job. What I don't love is how he's been so shaky as a punter. And of course, you you know, you remember the two the two kickoff the two punt returns that he allowed that the Jets allowed for touchdowns this year. Both were bad punts. And man, through his three year career, has been totally inconsistent. And the Jets have brought back Thomas Morstead, who did a very solid job in place of man in twenty twenty one. Uh, when Mann got injured in week one against Carolina, the Jets brought Morstead in as a temporary replacement, and Morstead did a good job. In fact, if looking back on it, the Jets made a mistake not sticking with Morstead. And even at the time, you know, I guess you could argue Mann was younger, but, you know, punter's a spot where you can always find a guy. It's not like, you know, it's not like you need to develop a punter. 
you just go with the best guy who's available to you. That's that's a spot. It's not like you know, it's not like other positions where you're where age comes into play where you're trying to develop somebody to be a longer term player for you. A punter, you just need a punter. And I think the Jets, looking back, made a mistake. And the Jets have kind of admitted they made a mistake because they brought Morstead back. So that's kind of show that tells you all you need to know about that. But the punting game needs to improve for the Jets. The only you know they they allowed two kick two punt returns for a touchdown last year. That's got to change. So Morstead hopefully will help out on that front. You know they actually did. It's amazing because as a team that allowed two punt returns for touchdowns last year, they did have a Pro Bowl coverage guy on punt returns in Justin Hardy. So the fact they brought in Morstead tells you where they think the problem was. And these are things that you know you may not think all that much about, but easy to forget that special teams is twenty percent of the of 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 plays in a typical game, and. The yards that are gained are lost on special teams. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not as dramatic as allowing a touchdown or scoring a touchdown. Sometimes it's just about whether or not, you know, you set up in good field position. You give your offense a short field, you give your defense a long field. Sometimes those things make all the difference in the world. And the Jets also, of course, got rid of Braxton Berrios. Mecole Hardman comes in. I think he'll, you know, he'll play a role in the return game. Berrios had an all-pro 2021 season as a return guy, but really did not match it. So the Jets can get more out of their special teams this year. That's the one. That's one of those things that can make a hidden difference. It's very subtle. It's very easy to miss, but it could play a big role in the Jets ending this playoff drought. And beyond that, you, look, you need luck. I, I think people don't like to say this. You like to think that teams control their own destiny, but they don't. I mean, some of it comes down to injuries. Some of it comes down to scheduling. Sometimes it's, you know, about half of NFL games come down to one score. And in a one-score game, it's a handful of plays that make a difference. And sometimes those handful of plays, you know, come down to just pure luck. An official making a bad call, a fumble bouncing the right, right way or wrong way, a tip that goes in the air and falls right into somebody's hands. Sometimes it's just luck. And, you know, as bad as the Jets have been, and listen, it's been more about the Jets being bad than having bad luck. But part of it's been luck. Not as much as the Jets making bad decisions, being coached bad, and not having good enough players, but they've had a little bit of bad luck along the way. And, you know, you just hope that, and this is one of the things you can't control, in every great season, there's that one or two moments where you look back and you say, wow, things just broke our way. And, you know, the Jets are certainly due for that. Maybe it'll be this year. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're uh, listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, please a big thumbs up. These things help the channel out and help other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Hope you have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.